I think Ellis heard every word, just took it all in. That was good. And she did, she did exactly what we're told to do in this parable. Jesus begins this story with the word, listen. If you had been standing with the crowd on that beach, listening to Jesus as the boat in which he sat rocked gently back and forth in the waves, what would you have heard in this story? What do you hear today? Perhaps you find yourself wondering about the sower. Who is he? Is Jesus simply using an example from the local culture, thinking about a farmer out in the field? Or does the figure of the sower represent God or Jesus himself? The interpretation of the parable that comes later in this chapter would seem to imply the latter, that the sower is Jesus. And if that is the case, then the one who sows could also be Jesus' disciples, who will continue his work after the resurrection. And by extension, the sower could also be all those who follow in their footsteps, including you and me. Whoever the sower is meant to be, though, I think his technique leaves something to be desired. From what I've read, it was the practice in Jesus' day to sow seed in a field and then to plow it under, kind of the opposite of what we do today. But there's no mention of plowing in this story. The sower simply sows his seed extravagantly, generously, even carelessly on the ground. So much of it falls in places where it can't possibly grow. I mean, what a waste. You'd think the sower would have prepared the soil a little more thoroughly or at least looked before he threw down his precious seed. But this farmer doesn't need to either know or care about the ground, whether it is hard or rocky, full of reeds or fertile. You know, it's our second year to plant into those two small raised beds I mentioned to the kids. And this year, Don took out all of the soil that was in them and put down chicken wire under the beds because we have gophers. And then he put it all back in along with manure and more soil. And it was a lot of work. But nothing like this happens in this story. The sower just flings his seed hither and yon. And what of the seed itself? Jesus doesn't specify what was being planted. Was it wheat or corn or flax? Was it organic? Was it GMO or non-GMO? Well, we don't know, and I guess it doesn't really matter. The question is, what does the seed represent? Again, it depends. While Jesus describes the seed as the word of the kingdom, he also seems to indicate that the seed is what is sown in the heart or that the seed is the people who hear the word. And then there is the soil, which comes to the fore in the interpretation that follows this parable in verses 18 through 23. When the disciples ask Jesus about the parable, Jesus replies, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, as Vegan pointed out, but endures only for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. 
As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke out the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed hears, bears fruit, and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. As you can see, even a simple parable like this one is open to a myriad of interpretations, which is exactly how it's supposed to function. Theologian C.H. Dodd once wrote that the purpose of a parable is to tease the mind into active thought, active as inspiring us to act, not just to listen. I like the idea of Scripture teasing the mind, and I hope that each one of you will go back to this parable again and again in the coming week and take some time for it to ponder what it means for you right now, which may be different what it, from what it meant to you a few years ago. The beauty of Scripture is that there is always something new to discover. In the meantime, let me share a few thoughts that came to me. When I first read this parable, I found myself asking, are we the seed, the soil, or the sower? And I think that perhaps the answer is yes. As I shared with the children this morning, each one of us bears within us seeds to sow, and we sow them every day through our words and our actions. Sometimes we sow the seeds of bitterness and distrust, resentment, and jealousy. And sometimes we sow the seeds of kindness and forgiveness, mercy, and love. Though the circumstances of our lives affect the kind of seed we are capable of sowing, we do have a choice in the matter. We can decide which seeds to sow at a given time on a given day. Likewise, our church has a choice about the seeds that we sow as a community of faith. Do we sow seeds of welcome or exclusion, hope or discouragement? Are we planting judgment and fear or faith and joy? Are we playing it safe by only using the seeds that we have used before, or are we willing to take risks and try some new varieties? Do we only share the seeds of our faith with those with whom we are comfortable Or are we willing to offer them to people who are different from us? Food for thought, indeed. We are also the soil in which the seeds of God's kingdom are sown. So the question is, what kind of soil are we? We like to think that we are good soil. Don't you want to think that? I want to think that. I want to think I'm good soil. But we have to admit that Jesus' words and actions sometimes sometimes confuse us. We want to be fruitful, but when trouble comes, we sometimes find ourselves questioning our faith. Not necessarily a bad thing, mind you. We hope to produce a bountiful harvest, but it's hard to follow Jesus when we're busy raising a family or handling medical issues or going to school or working hard to pay the bills. It gets very hard. And yet, while it's clear that the kind of soil we are depends to some extent on the circumstances of our lives at any given time, we can cultivate the soil of our hearts through spiritual practices. 
One of those practices is prayer, and by that I mean not only praying for those who are ill or in trouble, but also for guidance and faith. Not only talking to God, but also listening in silence and opening one's heart to God. Another practice that helps cultivate the soil of our hearts is reading the Bible. I really want to encourage you to take part in the study that begins this week. The book we are using, Making Sense of the Bible by Adam Hamilton, is an easy read. And I think that even those who are familiar with scripture will enjoy it. So you can look in your bulletin and see when those classes are being offered, Wednesday and Thursday. Finally, we cultivate the soil of our hearts by doing exactly what you all are doing today by sharing in worship, and by joining together in service. We are the seed, and we are the soil that receives the seed. We're also the sowers who choose where and when and how to sow. We certainly sowed seeds this past week during vacation Bible school. Oh, we sowed them with all of our hearts. as we tried to help the children discover their strengths in God over and over again in many different ways, in songs, in stories, in science projects, in crafts, and recreation, they heard the message that God gives them the heart, the courage, the wisdom, and the hope, and the power to be God's heroes who help others and share love. Perhaps Vacation Bible School should be a model for all of our endeavors in church. For as you can see from the bulletin insert, a lot of people did some pretty generous giving, sewing last week. There was no holding back, no hoarding of time or energy. We sewed with enthusiasm and hope and yes, with joy. Of course, we have no idea whether the seeds that we planted will grow, though from all appearances, they were well received. That was not always true for Jesus. When he described the various soils and in his interpretation of the parable, he was speaking from experience. For the parables of Matthew 13 are sandwiched in between stories of opposition to Jesus and the gospel that he sows. He was all too aware that those who listened to him, including his own disciples, would respond in a variety of ways, some resisting, some opposing, some questioning, some discounting, some joyfully accepting. Inevitably, some of the seed he sowed, even most of the seed, would fall on the ground in which it would not grow. And yet, despite that fact, and even when he knew he would die for it, Like the sower in the parable, Jesus continued to sow God's grace and love extravagantly, generously, even carelessly, trusting that there would be a harvest. Perhaps it is time that we followed his lead and sowed our seeds with the joyful abandonment of little Ellis over there who's having a good time. That's good. It's good. Will there be situations in which our seeds fall on hard, rocky, or thorny soil? Yes. Will there be times when the soil of our own heart is infertile? Undoubtedly. Will our indiscriminate sowing of God's word fail to produce? No. For though we may never see it, 
there will be a harvest. Listen to the words of the parable. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. In spite of all the seed that failed to produce, the sower experiences a surprisingly abundant harvest. This may be the ultimate point of this little parable, that regardless of the quantity of the seed, the quality of the soil, or the efficiency of the sowing, God will bring about the harvest, and it will be an abundant one. This parable tells us that even when the seeds that we bear seem small and ineffective, God can use them. Even when the soil of our hearts is not in the best shape, God will continue to sow seeds of grace and hope. And even when our sowing seems to fall on deaf ears and rocky ground, the power and love of God can bring about a harvest. This is the promise of the parable of the sower, promise that is given to us at our baptism and stays with us throughout our lives. It is a promise that we can trust and a promise that we can live into. Thanks be to God. Amen.